This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 131. Today on our show, John Schutte. And actually, I didn't really, when I took organ lessons as a teenager, I didn't really utilize the pedals, and she didn't teach me a lot about the pedals. Um, so I didn't really learn that until I got the gig with the Reds, and I went out and bought an organ that's the same model that they have at the ballpark, um, and that has the, the full pedal board, because I felt like I had to do it justice. You know John from a couple of things. He's a founding member of the Rusty Griswolds. In fact, he went to grade school with a friend of the show, Greg Martini. John is also the organist at Great American Ballpark for baseball games. He talks about music, baseball, being in a super popular cover band, and about his job as a Cincinnati firefighter. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and ship in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to John Schutte. C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-Cincinnati She came down Cincinnati Just maybe think of me once in a while I'm at CincyShirts.com All right, so, um, well, and Greg had mentioned years ago that he knew you and I put two and two together. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that all, that all makes sense. Um, so are you... Are you from Cincinnati uh, originally, completely? Oh, or? yeah, born, born, and raised on the, born and raised on the west side. I went to Oak Hills with Greg. Oh, okay. So, oh, so you, you guys were you, you guys have been mates forever then? Oh, yeah. Actually, I think we may have gone to part of grade school together and then junior high and high school. Yeah. Oh, wow. So did you ever get mixed up in Birdhouse or any of those creations, or did you not play together until Rusty Griswold's? No, no. We were... We were in uh, abandoned high school. Um, it was free reigns back in high school. Oh, that's right. Covers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you were in free reigns. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and then we kind of for- went in formed Birdhouse, um, and I did that for a little while, and then dropped out. And when they, I think that's there were five of us, and then myself and one other guy dropped out, and that put him at a three piece. That's okay. Yeah. So in those famous liner notes from uh, Serendipity Do, you're one of the two members that were cannibalized. Just, I believe <laughs> Greg. Greg must have written yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, the strong need to survive. So I, I guess so. So why did uh, you drop out? Did you wasn't your kind of bag musically, or did you just have other things you were pursuing? No, uh, yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. I liked what we did. Um, I think it was. Maybe shortly after I got married, and um, I think I just kind of needed the break and thought, you know, I wanted to focus on the family thing for a little while, and um, so I did that for a few years um, until uh, one of the guys called and said, "Hey, what do you think about doing '80s music again?" And then I was like, "Yeah, all right, I'm uh, I'm ready to get out of the house." There you go. So I guess you and Greg had similar music tastes growing up. Yeah, I think Greg might have liked jazz a little more than I did, um, but yeah, 
I mean, kind of. He's a drummer, so how much musical taste can he have? Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so um, as far as 80s music goes, because when people say 80s music, you know, it's not it, it, it's not a, a simple thing. I mean, were you were you a new wave daddy? Were you more like uh, in AOR? I mean, what kind of 80s stuff did, did you gravitate towards? Um, probably more pop rock, some of the AOR stuff. Uh, never really into much of the heavy metal. Um, some of the new wave, kind of. Okay. Because uh, I play keyboard, so the, a lot of the synthesized stuff. Uh, appealed to me. I was going to say there a lot of would have been in your uh, in your wheel, especially the early half of the decade. Well, I guess later too, as they guess synthesizers kind of came to the forefront and uh, started appearing in more music that was that was charting uh, in this country. I guess that would make sense. Yeah, and I was kind of raised when I was young. We listened to a lot of um, AM radio, so you know the yeah. bubblegum stuff. Oh yeah, always kind of appealed to me as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, I have a uh, a playlist. I have the in Freegal. It's the thing that the library is connected to. You can um, you can stream music for free, and I've got a, a '70s gold playlist in there. And I I'm not really keen on a lot of '70s music, even though I grew up in the '70s listening to the radio. But a lot of what I was listening to was from the '60s. But uh, the stuff I do like, I like a lot from the '70s. Even though yeah, there's some good stuff from the '70s. Oh yeah, yeah. And 80s. And if you think about it, really, that's kind of uh, there's a, still a lot of variety there when you think about it. When you when you th- when you think about the AM Gold stuff, you know, th- people like Looking Glass and and Andrew Gold and people the light, and then you get you know the harder rock stuff, your your Pink Floyd, your Jethro Tulls, if you will. Um, so I guess there's quite a quite a bit of variety. And I guess within that, um, speaking of keyboards. Uh, in the early '70s, uh, you know, keyboards are th- these huge, expensive instruments that you don't dare go on stage unless you've played it for at least five years till the end of the decade, where it's it gets subsumed in the punk rock thing. So it's like, hey, if you can play a couple of notes, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, you're right. Turning B uh, three uh, around or some big keyboard was not an easy task back in the day. Yeah. So what did you start on? Did you start on, on piano or you, uh, cause a buddy of mine was, uh, ostensibly a guitar player when we were in a band together, but he kind of switched. We were mostly electronic, but he'd still bring out the guitar, but he started on guitar. And, uh, so what, where did you start? I started on piano. I took lessons on piano. Um, I was forced to take some organ lessons in junior high, just because I took piano lessons from a nun. Um, and then, you know, when I got in the band, then, I, you know, just the regular keyboard stuff. So that's kind of where I was brought up. Okay. And uh, as far as, uh, did you always have an interest and appreciation of, uh, like, the, the the folks playing the organ at, at the old ballpark? Or did that kind of come later? Uh, that kind of came later. I really didn't notice it a lot, I guess, when I was young. Um, and we didn't go to a whole lot of ball games when I was young. We'd watch a lot on TV. Um, but you know, we get like the straight A tickets, um, and things like that. Uh, but we didn't go a lot when I was young. So I didn't really know that was a thing up until I got older. Yeah. I remember listening on the radio, you could kind of hear it in the background a little bit and there'd always be kind of like, and even in hockey games, I remember that too. Cause you had the, you know, the, the, the charge, bit and and all that but uh so when when did you kind of put two and two together and, and realize that there was uh that they had a live organist at the ball games um i really didn't um uh, until 
we, the band, the Grizzles had a meeting with the Reds, and one of the other guys was talking about the organ and the organist, um, and I asked if there was one at the new ballpark at a Great American. And, um, you know, they got talking about that, and I was like, huh, I never even thought about that, but I know the Cubs, you know, have had an organist for a long time, and other, uh, other organizations did. Um, so that's kind of when, you know, when we started talking about that, I kind of joked and said, you know, hey, if you need somebody, let me know. And that's kind of how that got rolling. Yeah, I was surprised to learn, uh, and I don't know when I learned this, probably, this has been quite a while ago, that a lot of teams switched to just using uh, an electronic, uh, you know, like a system of cartridges or tapes or things like that. And I was mortified. I was like, how, how can that How can that be? How could you have this to, what a, what a cheap way, how much could, could an organist cost? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's kind of like everything. You look for something that's quicker and cheaper and more efficient than, um, when you can just pop a tape or hit a sound clip and don't have to worry about, you know, the instruments and a per- another person to play it, you know, and their availability. Um, actually, I think back in when March shot was the, the owner of the Reds is kind of when things got a little lean and they, they went away from using an organist a lot. Um, and you know, the players like more of the, the walk-up songs that were recordings, the rock stuff, and, um, you know, the organ was kind of old technology, so people weren't as interested, and now I think it's more a nostalgic thing, so it's kind of making a comeback. Um, you know, still not doing all the music, and it probably will never do all the music at a ball game um, because I don't think it, it really is good to fill all those roles, but it has its place, and I think it's – it's, the ball, the ball teams are finding a balance, um, and it's nice to have it in there. Uh, are all the teams going back to using uh, real organists, or is this uh, are the Reds a rarity among in the major leagues? No, I think um, it's been a little while since I've actually checked, but more than half of them have organists, um, and it may be it may be closer to uh, three quarters. But that seems to be the trend, and a lot of the feedback I'm seeing is that people like them. Um, so, you know, I think if teams can, can manage it, they're doing it. So what's the, how do you balance between knowing what you're allowed to do and when they want to use, like, you know, contemporary uh, pop music or, or things like that? Um, that's I know it's different for each team. Uh, for the Reds, I work with the the DJs that uh, that are there. The DJs are there every game. I'm not there every game. Um, they can they can do without me. They prefer to have me there. Um, but I the DJ and I work off of each other. And there are times like play rock up music is always recorded music because they have specific songs and specific parts of those songs that they want to hear when they walk up. Um, pictures kind of the same way when they come in. It really pictures um, and there are different. Things where uh, the recorded music works best, but the DJ and I are on headset and we'll talk back and forth. And he may say, "Hey, do you want to fill with something here?" Or I may say, "Hey, uh, why don't you take this this gap or this whatever it is?" Um, because the the recorded music has a, a different a different energy than the organ does. Um, sometimes you know there there's just the organ is more laid back, and I can't fill when it's a um, high energy situation. 
a lot of time, and if you want to really get the crowd going, a lot of times the DJ just has better tools than than the organ. But you're maybe maybe during a pitching change, or or maybe even I don't know how because I really haven't seen a lot of this in person because they've only started doing it lately. When they're doing the um, they're checking a replay with uh, the the umpires in New York, that seems to me it's more of a, a downtime, or maybe you could sneak in some organ music. Yeah, yeah, those are those are good examples, and there is some overlap. Um, you know, there are spots where it would work equally well having the DJ do something or the organ do something. And that's where we'll talk. And, um, the, the, the probably the primary DJ with the Reds is Aaron Sharp. Uh, Nick Wiggett is the other DJ. And so we'll talk. They have a really good feel about, uh, what I do and what I can do. And, and I'm the same way with them. So they may say, Hey, do you, do you want to play this song here? Or do you have something that can go here? Um, so we'll, you know, we'll just kind of figure it out. Sometimes ahead of time, sometimes just on the fly. Um, I have a funny organ story I just uh, thought of as we were talking. I went to see a Pittsburgh Pirates game. Oh gosh, back in the '90s, I was working at the uh, Carnegie Art Museum in Pittsburgh, and a couple of my work buddies and I went to a ball game. And I believe it was the Pirates versus I believe the Astros, and I believe Art Howe was the manager of the Astros at that point. Um, don't not do not hold me to that, but anyway, there was a, a pitching change, and he comes out of the dugout, and the organist starts playing "How Great Thou Art," and I didn't recognize it. My buddy starts laughing, and he's going, "How great thou art!" That's so good. He wrote it down. Actually, in his, he was keeping score of the game. He wrote it down above where the pitching change was. He wrote in quotes, "How great thou art." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's some good stories about uh, organists and DJs picking out some some good songs for the situations. It's uh, and some I know the Atlanta Braves organist especially does it. You know, they'll throw in we'll throw in things that have some kind of meaning um, for whatever situation it is. Sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes it's much more discreet. And sometimes you know I just play stuff because I like the song. It has <laughs> it has nothing to do with the game. And someone will ask me, why did you play that? Why? Why? That doesn't seem appropriate for that situation. I'm like, well, it wasn't. I just like the song. There you go. And I understand you also uh, take requests. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of times people will text me and ask if I can play this song or that song. And if I know it already, it's really easy to toss in. Um, and, you know, and it's also situation dependent. Um, but a lot of times the crew, when I when I show up at the ballpark, they'll say, hey, I heard this song. Um you think you can play it and uh you know i'll spend a couple minutes i'll listen to a recording and pick through it and um a lot of times within five or ten minutes uh i can throw it in somewhere and that's it's fun for me because it's a, a challenge to see if i can do it without screwing up in front of however many fans are there and it's fun for the person that requests it because they you know feel like they're part of the show so what percentage would you say of the music we're hearing at the ballpark is you and what is the is the DJs and the sound system? Um, when I'm there, it's probably, I don't know, if you take the whole from when the gates open to the end of the game, um, maybe 50-50. Okay, that's, that's a good balance because then you can kind of, you know, balance the uh you know the because a lot of the younger generation now i guess really has kind of grown up with walk-up songs and things like that and now that's what they know but then there's old folks like us that you know 
you know, mostly heard organ music at the ballpark growing up. So I guess you can kind of still, you know, please everybody, at least for now. Yeah, it, it's usually what we'll do is um, the DJ will play, will cover things in the inning break when the Reds are coming up the bat, which kind of brings it to a little higher energy level. When the visiting team is coming up to bat, the break, the inning break before that, I'll play something. And it's, it can be, you know, it's not necessarily boring. Well, unless you don't like boring music, then it be boring. Um, but it doesn't quite have the same energy. So we kind of trade off inning breaks. You know, he'll take the, uh, the middle and I'll take the, the end of the inning. And we go through like that. And then as there are different things, um, you know, pitching break, I'll take. And there are a lot of things where we kind of just know. Uh, like on a foul ball, if uh, one of the Reds hits a foul ball, I almost always fill the space after that. Uh, if it's something else, the DJ may throw something in. So we kind of know each other and what we want to do. And it's usually maybe maybe half. That's kind of that's a tough question, though. Do you get to see much of the game? I mean, do you, are you concentrating <laughs> more on the fact looking for a, a a spot where you know you might be able to toss in a piece of music, or the DJs are thinking, you know, we can toss in a piece of music? Or are you kind of still able to follow the game as a game, or are you following more from a, a musical standpoint? Uh, both. Um, I, I watch I watch the whole game just because you never know, you know, if the pitching coach pops out of the dugout, uh, there's however much time they're allowed now. Uh, 30 seconds or a minute. Um, and, you know, that needs some music to kind of fill that gap. So um, we have to pay attention to pretty much the whole game. Um, and every once in a while, I'll get caught up just being a fan. Um, and, you know, a gap will come up and the DJ will be like, hey, are you going to play there? <laughs> and uh, I'll realize, oh, yeah, I'm working. Do you think that the game needs to be speeded up? I mean, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, so you've seen a lot of baseball in the past couple of years, and only lately have there been efforts to try to, you know, to, to move things along. Do you do you think it needs fixing, or do you think it was fine the way it was? Just my opinion. I think it's fine the way it was. It's a, you know, it's supposed to be a leisurely game, and um, I, I get that, you know, people these days want to get in and get get done and get out and you know they have certain expectations they want to be entertained they want to be high energy but for me and part of it may be you know that i'm getting older it's supposed it's not supposed to be basketball it's not supposed to be nfl it's not supposed to be hockey it's baseball you're supposed to sit there talk to your friends be able to sit back and look around and just relax and enjoy the game and if it takes a couple extra minutes and um you know, then enjoy it and just just unwind for a little while while it's going on. And, you know, the, the games that were 15, 16, 17 innings, I, I used to love those. It, it would take forever, but there there's just something unique about that that I, I, I hate to see that go away. Yeah, and doubleheaders, I mean, real doubleheaders, not these Twilight doubleheaders that they have now. Um Heck, the uh, the the Browns in football used to host uh, preseason doubleheaders. They would uh, be on the bill, usually against the Steelers, and then they would invite the Lions and maybe the Bears to come down to Cleveland and play a game afterwards, and you'd get a football doubleheader. How crazy is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, stuff like that. Everybody's trying to be more efficient and, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it, it kind of bothers me. I, I just leave it what it was and, 
either enjoy it or don't enjoy it for what it is. Don't make everything everything the same. Everything shouldn't be the same. No, exactly. Yeah, baseball is baseball for a reason. I mean, I'm I'm mostly with you on that. I agree that it didn't need fixing. Okay, making sure the guys get up into the batter's box in a timely manner, that's fine. Uh, I'm not a huge guy on multiple pitching changes. I get the strategy, and sometimes I enjoy it. I mean, it's my team. Hey, do whatever you got to do <laughs> to get these guys out. But uh, if I'm watching, like, two teams that aren't my team, uh, I might be a little less patient. But, yeah, those little things to speed up the game, that that's fine. But, yeah, don't we don't need a time. Hell, they, cricket goes on all day, people. <laughs> Literally, I've noticed, you know, uh, we'll get a memo before the season starts that they're cutting 10 seconds off the, the in-between innings. And I'm like, 10 seconds? Really? Is that going to make a difference? Yeah, that's or true. Yeah. 20 <laughs> seconds? I mean, come on. Just don't worry about it. And it seems like it works out. That never changes anything anyway. That is true. It doesn't seem like it's had much of an effect. Um, you yeah. were mentioning but that on, you... on the other hand, I'm just an organist. So, you know, what do I know? Yeah. Well, but you watch a lot of baseball. So you have a lot of insight. That's why. Yeah. I, that, so. yeah. Um, so you were saying you took organ lessons, and it just occurred to me, I guess, is playing the organ a lot different than playing, you know, piano or, a, you know, a, a modern keyboard instrument? Um, surprisingly, it, it kind of is. Um, I don't know if you're very familiar with piano or keyboard keyboard instruments. Is that something you kind of know anything about or not? Uh, I, like I said, I was in a band with a guy. He was the talented one. I could barely sing, and I could pluck out, uh, you know, melodies on the keyboard. I had a talent for that, and I could write melodies. I had a talent for that. So yeah, I'm I'm familiar. They would they would not let me play keyboards on the demos that we made at all, and I begged them, and so they let me play one melody, and then they looked at each other, and they had the computer fix it, and then my guy was producing. It was my friend's high school buddy. Uh, looked at him and goes, "I don't think we can keep this." <laughs> I, I couldn't even play well enough for a machine to fix it. But anyway, please continue. Just to give you right, some background. So, <laughs> but so, I'm a fan of, of, of electronic music, so I've, just from that standpoint, I know a lot about them. So maybe that, that might help. Okay, this may be more technically in-depth than you really want, but for a piano and keyboard, when I play, uh, like with a band or just at home, just classical or ragtime or anything like that, usually the left hand, We'll play some kind of. We'll play the bass, like a, a bass guitar part. Okay. Um, your right hand will play everything else that fills in the chords. Um, like a, like the guitar part, you know, fills a gap. Um, so your right hand will play chords and a melody. So essentially, your left hand's the bass player. Your right hand is the guitar and the singer. Um, I mean, that's make put it putting it pretty simply. Okay. Um, but that's basically how you think of it. On an organ, um, your right hand plays pretty much just the melody. Your left hand does all the chords and the, the stuff that fills in, and uh-huh. your feet do the bass. Ah. I just, so it's it's uh, you kind of change things around a lot, and you use your feet, um, which is – that's a, that's a, a huge change. Um, you know, you're throwing two other limbs into trying to get things coordinated. So instead of having two limbs doing things, you're having four limbs uh, that you have to coordinate. And that was my biggest hurdle. Hmm. And did, but did you, I guess you, you finally overcame, I guess, cause you're able to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually I didn't really, when I took organ lessons as a teenager, uh, I didn't really utilize the pedals and she didn't teach me a lot about the pedals. Um, so I didn't really learn that until I got the gig with the Reds. Uh, oh, 
And I went out and bought an organ that's the same model that they have at the ballpark um, and that has the, the full pedal board because I felt like I had to do it justice and play it the way it's supposed to be played. So I spent a lot of time working that out and, and doing it correctly. And I still don't think I play as a proper organist, um, but, you know, it is what it is, and hopefully it sounds all right. Yeah, I don't think anybody's uh, – there have been no complaints that I know of. Um, have you ever run across an instrument called a Mellotron? I have heard of a Mellotron. Um, I've never seen one in person. Uh, they have one at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame up in Cleveland. It belongs to the Beatles, actually. And I think they used it only on one song, and I think that song was Strawberry Fields, possibly. And, um, yeah, I ask only because my favorite band used one on one of their albums, and it sounds like a really bizarre instrument, and I just wondered if you'd ever encounter that, because that seems like another... Uh, it doesn't seem like it's quite like a keyboard or a piano. It's, it's just that kind of its own thing as well. But um. Yeah, there's some strange instruments out there. You know, back in the day in the 70s and 80s when... Synthesizers were, were synthesizers were coming out. They experimented with all kinds of electronic uh, instruments, and so things. Are, there are some wacky things out there. There are indeed the the um, the, the theremin and the electric theremin, which people probably recognize mm-hmm. mostly from uh, "Good Vibrations" by the Beach Boys. Is probably the most famous uh, song, although that uses an, yes, el- an electric theremin. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, but we digress. Um, getting on to the, the Rusty, so before all this uh, nonsense happened, uh, you guys would like gig pretty much all summer long. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Summer was our, our busy season. Uh, we were – it's pretty much every weekend through the summer except for the summer. And uh, last year we were – well, we we curtailed a lot of the events that we did at Shirts, but we only concentrated on the big events. And then we also um, did a favor to the folks that run the uh, the ones on the Newport on the levee. Uh, it, it, and not only Getafest, but all the other ones they run during the summer to varying degrees. And we only uh, came across you guys once, and that was actually this past spring at Bachfest. And uh, were you – I know that there's a couple of people that rotate in and out of the Rusties. Um is that correct? Because Greg was saying that there was two different lead singers, or is it just? Uh, no, same lead singer. We've had a few different guitar players over the years. Okay. Um, I... those, and Greg was our original drummer, and we had we have the guy that replaced him. So really, the only new person, the only new position is the guitar position that we've. Okay. We're on. Let me think. Maybe our fourth guitar player. Wow. And uh... everybody else is the same except for Greg. Okay. Well, there you go. And um, so who's who's the singer these days? Uh, Eric Schuler's our lead singer. Um, I sing some, and Steve Frisch uh, sings some also. He's our other keyboard player and sax player. So who did Take On Me when at Bachfest when I was there? That was Eric. Wow, man. I would call I would call him the lead singer. Okay, yeah. Boy, that, whew, that dude's got some pipes. That is not an easy... Mm-hmm. That no, is, he's a good singer. Yeah, yeah, and th- but the the proof in the pudding there because that isn't that is not an easy song to sing, and to, and not and to keep it in the range that it was written in, and and you guys do, and a lot of people try to cheat, you know, and go down an octave and things like that, and you know, and, and people know that song well, so you know in those high parts, you sing when you're singing along in the car, folks, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so how 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 long have you been in the Rusties then? Um, this has got to be what. 20 almost 20 years it's yeah this summer 
Well, in June, I think it was 21 years. June or July, I can't remember when our actually in our actual anniversary is, but uh, 21 years. Wow. And so, how That's do you, way too long. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, how do you decide the, uh, the the collection of songs that'll be? I guess is there a lot of musical diversity, uh, pop music diversity there in within the band that they put together because it, it's a very fine playlist. Well, thank you. Um, we work hard at it. Uh, we we pick through a lot of songs, and we do have more diverse '80s taste, uh, but we kind of know what works for us and. Um, we, I think, I think what we always say is we'll play the music that the girls like because the guys will follow the girls. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, you know, there are songs that we love through the eighties that we won't even touch because nobody will like them. We <laughs> love them, but nobody else will well, really well, like them. I'm curious what, what kind of songs would those be? Usually it's a lot of the AOR stuff, uh, Rush. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I can't even think of uh, like Judas, maybe some Judas Priest, some of the heavier stuff. Okay. Some of the um, boy, I don't even know. I kind of, I kind of, you know, try not to pay attention to it because uh, I can't. You know, it's like the forbidden fruit. I was gonna say only I could see only the lads would enjoy that. And they'd be out there bopping their heads, as they say in Britain. That's lad music, and uh, they'd be out there bopping their heads, and the girls would all be uh, over at the bar refreshing their drinks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, that's that's kind of our model: is you know, do the things the women like, and the guys will follow. And that's worked for us so far. So um, yeah, we've learned that even if there's a song we really want to play, if it doesn't work, we're not going to play it. So there've um, got to be some crazy stories in 21 years of uh, playing around town at, at, at various functions. Oh boy, you're putting me on the spot. My memory gets worse the older I get. Um, I'm sure there's, I mean, there are some, you know, regular old rock and roll moments that happen with every band about, you know, drunken debauchery and whatever. Um, but really less with us. I think we're, we're really not, uh, you know, a bunch of crazy uh, drunk guys were pretty straight laced West Siders that, you know, we lug our own equipment set up and tear down our own equipment. And, um, we're, I don't know, hardworking business guys. So, uh, we kind of steered clear of a lot of the crazy stuff. So, but man, off the top of my head, I can't think of a good story for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad. No, no, that's fine. Um, and what, what, as you were saying though, you so you you guys, it's not like a Blues Brothers band situation where like you get five hundred dollars for the gig and you boys drank fifteen hundred dollars worth of beer. It's not one of those. No, deals. <laughs> okay, that might have happened uh, a time or two. Um, uh, but anymore these days, only a couple of us drink, and we don't even those guys don't drink a lot. So, you know, it's. It's hard. The older you get, if you're out until four in the morning and you're drunk, it really, instead of being ready to go by nine o'clock the next morning, like, like when we were in our twenties, that, that hurts for days. Well, and a lot of, uh, you know, singers that, and uh, that we grew up with, I've heard them comment. They're like, you know, you, they still sound good because they still tour today. And they're like, that's because we're not partying till four o'clock in the morning. And they're like, I'm surprised I could sing back then. 
you know, and, and people that off the top of my head, a, a keyboards that I can think of, they, who, who actually kept a clean temple uh, through all those years, is Howard Jones. He still sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and I'm glad that a lot of people are doing that these days. You know, you see singers on stage with bottles of water. It's probably the norm these days. We're back in the 70s. You know, oh, yeah. they had a bottle of Jack and beers, and oh, yeah, that's yeah. what you saw on stage at a concert or, you know, any kind of band thing, and that was kind of expected. So uh, I'm, I'm glad it's not like that anymore because I would be dead. Uh, my buddy saw, I'm trying to remember the, the names of the guys in the group because they're not really my cup of tea. I mean, they're fine. Aerosmith, um, I know Stephen Tyler, uh, Joe Perry. My uh, buddy saw them in Toledo when we were in college right before the relaunch of their career. So this is probably three, four months before that big album comes out that relaunches them. And so it's th- they're still kind of their old selves, but they're trying to get things straightened out. Because they walk out, and uh, d- and uh, Stephen Tyler takes the microphone. Joe Perry sits down, puts plants a beer on top of the amplifier, <laughs> and off they go. And uh, <laughs> and uh, he said it was a great yeah, show, though. It, so. Yeah, it's... You know, the difference between, you know, partying and playing and, and not partying and playing, um, it's tough. I had, there was there was a time back in the day where I think I was having some blood tests that needed to be done and I couldn't drink for a while. And um, it was, it's a different animal because usually you, know, you could run on muscle memory and, and when you're sober, you have to your mind works. So you think about what you're doing. It can really screw you up until you get used to that. So I don't know. It's, it's different. So getting back to the songs real quick, because I noticed your uh, your contemporaries, the, the Naked Karate Girls, they seemed, I saw them a couple times. We happened to cross paths with them only because they did a lot of the festivals that we were setting up shirts at. So I got to see those guys a bunch of times. And like I said, I didn't get to see you guys until Bachfest. Um, which is the first time I'd seen you in, in ages, but they seem to have like a lot of songs, and I'm like, you guys have got to remember more songs than your, you know, the average rock band because, like, you know, most bands like the Beach Boys when they tour now, it's a pretty set list of songs that they do. They'll rotate a couple in and out, but for the most part, and I've heard other bands say, you know, we we can't play that, so we have to relearn it. We don't even know. I can't who else was was saying that. Um, I saw in an interview they said that they were trying to add some songs to their set, and they're like, we had to go back and relearn all these. Yeah. Yeah, we probably know. I'm almost positive. I, I know we can. We can play two uh, two nights worth of music and not repeat uh, songs. So I know that's probably 90 songs. We could just play, um, you know, right off the, the top of our heads. Um, and I'm sure we know more than that that we don't really use um, because uh, they just don't – they're okay songs, um, but we like to play things that people will dance to or higher energy. Um, so a lot of things kind of – you know, we – I'm sure if that's 90 songs that we can play, we probably learned 150 at least through the years. And uh, if we brushed up on those, that's probably what – the number we could pick from, but a lot of them are, you know, songs that are fun to listen to, but you know, like major Tom comes to mind. Um, there you go. Old Peter Schilling. That's like, yes, that's a good 80s song. It's very eighties, but people just, it's kind of song that you just kind of stand and listen to. Um, so we don't really, we haven't done that in a while. And, you know, things kind of come, come and go too, as, 
you get tired of playing things, they may kind of fall off the list and you bring something else in to replace it that feels fresher. But on the other hand, there are people that expect to hear certain songs whenever they hear you play and they're disappointed if they don't hear them. So it's, it's you know, you have to balance it. Do you ever find you putting songs back in that you've done because maybe they've been in a movie or in a TV show? Like Netflix, of course, is, you know, popularized a couple of 80s tunes recently. Uh, does that ever... Uh, come come up or is it still just more based on what's going to sound good in, live and at a certain event? Yeah, I think it's more, I don't remember putting things back in because, you know, they were in a movie. Um, I know we talked about doing the song Push It because, you know, it was in a commercial for a while. Um, you know, and people were, people knew the song more. Um, but we, we never did. And, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of whatever, you know, whatever works, not necessarily if we hear it recently. And is it essentially the same set for like if you guys roll out for the summer to do uh, some festivals? Is it essentially the same set or maybe if you're at a festival? Like because Bachfest seems a little different than, you know, those ones on the river or those outdoor ones. Is, as, the, as the night's going along, do you like switch songs out? Do you guys, after, after a break, do you guys say, hey, maybe instead of doing this song, maybe we should swap it out for this song? Or is it, it, are things pretty much set when, when, you, when you arrive? Well, we do have, we have a set list. So Eric, the lead singer, We'll put together a set list, and it's it's almost never the same as, you know, the the gig before or the gig after. He switches things around. A lot of the same songs may be on there, but they'll be in different places. And depending on what it is, we'll have a lot of different songs. If it's we'll play a corporate gig here or there, um, and the things like that, they they don't do a lot of dancing, so we'll do things that they may be interested in. Um, and you know, the festival. Or Bopfest, we'll, we'll definitely try to do the songs we think would work with whatever crowd we're playing to. But it's never, and as the, as the night goes on, you know, I may be having trouble with my voice and I'll say, hey, we need to switch this song out and put something else in. It's, I don't think we've ever gone through a night where we played everything that was on the set list. It's rare. We will switch things out. And do you ever have time to like write music, or are you busy enough with your uh, regular job and being an organist, and then also having you know in, in normal times, uh, you know, doing Rusty's gigs almost every weekend? Um, every once in a while, I'll write some some music, and I like doing it. The problem is that I really don't have an outlet for it um, since the the Rusties are a cover band. Um, you know, if I if I write something just kind of sits here i don't you know it takes time to to if i wanted to record it and do all that myself and you know with everything else going on i don't have a lot of time for that so unfortunately i kind of don't write a lot because of that because it you know would just nothing nothing would come of it i don't have an outlet for it and well even with the 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 technology these days you just toss it up on spotify or, or youtube and see where it lands or I, I probably could do something like that, um, but you know, with the, the Griswolds and the Reds, and then my firefighting, you know, main job every third day, it's um, it keeps me pretty busy. So uh, sometimes I'll get into unless there's some, somebody need there's a need for something, the Reds may say, "Hey, we're, we need this. You know, can you record something for this?" You know, then I'll sit down and work through the project uh, because it's needed. Um, but just to, just for my own fun, I'll make, 
I may get partway into something and then it gets dropped because something else comes up and you know I don't get back around to it or I don't, I don't know. So you, you mentioned uh, the firefighting. Um, that's your, I would guess you say, is your your main job, your right. your steady gig. Uh, so how, how long have you been doing that? How did you get into that line of work? <laughs> um, it's almost like the, similar to how I got the Reds gig. Um, back when I was young, I was a music editor for Willis Music. And um, I think I just got married. And... I realized I needed an actual job job where I needed a career. Um, and I ran into a high school friend who was a firefighter for Cincinnati. And he was telling me how much he loved the job and he told me all about it. And the more he talked, the more I thought, that sounds like an awesome job. So I looked into it and uh, took some tests and uh, around the city and got a job as a firefighter and I've been doing it ever since and I I love the I love the career I love what I do and uh, this is my what do you think I'm in my 27th year wow and so I'm know nothing about the job hardly uh, do are you stationed at the fire station what like what kind of what what shifts do you run like so the normal normal I'll say the most normal schedule is 24 hours on duty 48 hours off duty okay uh, that's what most full-time firefighters do um in this area at least uh so i'll work i work 24 hours there we you know work there eat there sleep there uh do everything there and then i'm off for two days um we run um ems so we have ambulances and then we also do firefighting uh i was a frontline paramedic for 20 years um now i'm a captain and i um do primarily firefighting work um and we also uh, kind of changes what we do but we also go and help with uh some of the medical um calls depending on what they are if they're more serious if you know unconscious or non non-breather or some of the more critical things we'll help with but um and then, you know, we do a lot of training, obviously, and different chores and maintenance around the city and the firehouse. So, yeah. yeah. So you go in, say, at 6 a.m. the one day, and you get out at 6 a.m. the next day, and then you're – or is that basically how it works? Or It's, uh, it's 8 a.m. for us, but yeah, that's okay. pretty much it. Hey, I was pretty close. And, yeah, and then, like yeah. you were saying, I guess you, there's, you, there's other things. Because a lot of people have this notion of, like, when there's not any action, as it were – that y'all are just sitting around playing cars. But then if you think about it, you know, I see you guys out, you just, you have to clean out the fire, ho- the fire hydrants and make sure those are running properly. And then cause there's all kinds of, how much of, of that kind of work it, does it involve? How much of it's, it's more mundane and stuff you're not going to see on a, a dramatized TV version of firefighting? <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of that work uh, that needs to be done. Um, like you said, like you mentioned the fire hydrants, you know, those, those are, we constantly have to make sure they're maintained because if we can't get water from a fire hydrant, something's burning down. Yep. So we have to make sure they're serviced. Uh, we open them up um, periodically and make sure there's no, you know, if water gets into them and it gets cold, it'll freeze. And then you have one big uh, block of ice and it's unusable. So we have to make sure they can turn on and off and that they don't fill with water and they, you know, and freeze. And that's just the hydrants. Um, we have to test them see how much water pressure we get from those. Um, but we train around firehouse. There's, 
you know, we have to be ready for hazardous materials runs, uh, machinery entrapment, um, trench rescues, uh, auto accidents. There are, there are so many aspects um, that we have to be ready for. We're, we're constantly training and learning new things. And, you know, 90, not 90, maybe 80 percent, a lot of our runs are medical. So, you know, there's that whole aspect. Um, and, um, maintaining all that equipment and the training. And then there's also a balance, you know, we work 24 hours, but we can't work for 24 hours. Um, our guys would just be wiped out. So we have to, we have to get things done, but we also have to keep some gas in the tank in case we get, you know, what we, what we call the big one. So, so how often are, uh, what percentage of runs are where something is like the, where there's actual action, like there is something? Because a lot of times we'll see in the township here that the trucks will pull up and it'll be nothing. Maybe there was a smell of smoke, but it was it was it was nothing. Or you know, and the trucks turn right around and they leave. But how? What percentage do you see where there's actually where you guys are you're there for a couple hours because something has happened, be it an auto accident or a, a house fire or something like that? Um, that's a that's tough to say. Um. Almost, I would say almost every day we have something that's something, um, an auto accident, um, something that requires, you know, our time and expertise. And they always, okay. yeah, that's a good way to put runs. it. We always yeah. get medical runs. Um, but there are also a lot of, you know, I smelled something funny in my house and, you know, I, my carbon monoxide detector is beeping or uh, we have a run to industry where, they had a water pressure change and it set off a sprinkler head. And, ah, uh, we have to make sure it's not a fire that set off the sprinkler head. Right. So there are a lot of those too. Um, enough that it, you know, it keeps us busy through, through the day. Um, and that's the thing you just never know whether it's something silly. Um, you know, we will get called our ambulance will get called out to carry somebody from their house down the steps um, to their car so they could go see the doctor. And I know stuff like that comes in and you think, oh, this is nothing. But I was on a run years ago where um, a person, we were carrying a person out and they died on the way taken to the car. Oh, geez. You know, and then we had to work a full code on that person. So you really never know, you know, it could sound like nothing when, when the run comes in and it turns out it's a huge incident. And the opposite also happens. Yeah. It's huge and you get there and it's nothing. Uh, so how has the, the pandemic changed things or, or has it a lot or if you, is it, it, um, it, it's, it hasn't, hasn't changed things back, back in the, like the lockdown months in March and April, um, things were really slower for us overall, um, which kind of surprised me, but I guess in, in hindsight, it, it's not surprising. Um, people weren't going to the hospital because they felt like they could be exposed to the virus at the hospital. So they were, I think people were putting off um, procedures and, you know, if, if they knew it wasn't bad, they would stay at home and, um, you know, work through whatever illness they had. Um, but now uh, I think we're, we're very busy now. We're The summer is usually a little busier for us, um, but this summer has been very busy. Um, and we've had, we've, had to change some procedures, obviously, for the uh, for the virus, our our exposure. So uh, we have to take extra precautions and um, limit how you know, the guys. Like I said, you know, if it's a serious run, we have the whole crew might have six guys working 
on a person. And now we have to watch, you know, we can't just send a whole crew in to work on a patient. We'll send somebody in and see if it's serious. And, you know, maybe they'll call one or two people in um, so that you have limited exposure to, to the patients. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been a little different. There are things we can and can't do. We, you know, a lot of times we give tours to people through the firehouse and kids like to come and look at the equipment and we've had to limit that. Um, so it's been a little different. We've been busy. Um, but I think we're ready for things to get kind of back to normal. And speaking of on the musical side, uh, has that been frustrating that you, you know, b- baseball is back, but I understand they, you, you're, you haven't been allowed back into the ballpark. And also, of course, there's no uh, festivals going on or anything for the Rusties to play. So has that been uh, a source of frustration for you? Um, yes and no. Uh, I, I like doing those those things. Uh, it's something different than uh, than my job. Um, but it's it's been a nice break i've had uh, all that time off I, I can get projects done around the house and uh, my wife can remember what i look like for <laughs> better or worse um <laughs> yeah so uh it's different and i'm i'm not really the kind of guy that complains about things i just um you know i'll, I'll go with the flow and i'm yeah, home yeah. and i find things to do at home but yeah but you'll be ready and raring to go once you know someone schedules an event and everyone says it's safe and, and, or the Reds say you can come back to the ballpark. I hope so. You know, I, I try to, I try to keep fresh on, especially the red stuff because I have an organ set up at home. So I, you know, I work on things at home. Um, the rusties may, we may be putting the rust in rusty Griswolds when we come back, but we'll see. Um, wait, what was that? You, what about the rusty Griswolds? I was formulating. We maybe, we may be putting the rust in Rusty Griswold. Oh, I was going to say, again, have to knock the rust out. So I thought you said, oh, what I was, my, the question I was formulating was when you were talking about, you know, you have an organ at home and you try to get, I, I was thinking, well, do you ever put the game on and then just kind of like <laughs> practice along there? And this would be a good situation and just toss out a couple ditties or? No, um, not, I don't play along with the game, but there are times when I'm watching the game and, um, you know, it's just uh, kind of habit, I guess it'll. I'll see a situation and think this song or that song would, would work there. And, um, you know, that a lot of times I'll write down things that, uh, ideas that I have, I'll make some notes on my phone and then I'll work on the music later on. But I, I've never really, you know, I've, I've done the game enough where, um, I don't think I really want to just sit at home and play the organ while the game's going on. I, I watch the game, but I just kind of sit back and yeah. enjoy it. That makes sense. Um, so where can folks find you on the social media? And when the when the Reds do invite you back to the ballpark, you can you people can tweet at you and uh, send you a request that way. I heard that on WBXU. Uh, so how can people yes. find you that way? Um, the Red Keys is my Twitter handle or name. Okay. Um, I'm on Facebook, just John Schutte. Uh I'm trying to think if there's any other. That might be about it. I'm not. I'm not a big um, technologically savvy guy. Um, so if you know someone sends me a tweet, sometimes I'll get it, and sometimes it might be, you know, a little after the fact. But uh, okay, I, I, I'm not. I'm definitely not opposed to anybody with any ideas and and <laughs> get a hold of me if you have my number. Shoot me a text and. Let me know you're at the game, and I'll, I can wave to you or, uh, okay. or send me a tweet. Give, give me your section, and 
and see now I'll lean my head out the window and, huh. and give you a wave. I oh, like cool. some people that I know there. All right, I'll keep, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, hopefully when they're because I know they're trying to figure out a way to let people back into the ballpark. They're supposed to submit a plan. Uh, this whole thing doesn't come undone before that. They're submitting a plan, I think, to the county, and then they have to some other people of how they're actually going to get people in there safely and distance and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, hopefully that works out. And hopefully I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the meantime, um, we come to the portion of the program where you get to pick the coupon code for the next week so people can come into either our two stores or they can uh, go online to cincyshirts.com or our sibling site oldschoolshirts.com. Lots of 80s stuff there uh, for folks, so this, this fits in perfectly with that. And uh, so you get to pick a word or phrase that people can use as a coupon code to save 20%. What would you like that code to be? Wow. How about... Rusty Reds. Rusty Reds. Perfect. Should get a Rusty Red shirt sorted. Uh, we could do that. Although the Reds might not be keen. Although maybe we do it if we could commit to the uh, community fund. Maybe we'll get something like that worked out. Well, super. Rusty Reds, all one word. You can use that to take 20% off uh, cincyshirts.com or oldschoolshirts.com order or go into our store over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and do that. Uh, anything else you wanted to add then, John? Oh, boy. No. Um, stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. Get back to normal. Exactly. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for taking the time today uh, and uh, and doing this, and uh, we look forward to seeing the Rusties again and hearing you uh, at the ballpark, and um, and we'll be counting the days. Thanks for having me. That was most enjoyable. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. <laughs> John Schutte, hopefully we'll have baseball back properly soon, as well as festivals and all that. And I'm not sure why they can't have him back at the ballpark. Uh, I like hearing the organ in the background on the radio broadcast. They can have him for that. I don't know why. I don't think that'd be... doesn't seem like it would be too difficult to have, you know, one guy there. Uh, you know, and maybe even the DJs, too. They could do some social distancing there. Now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or someone you want us to have back on the podcast, just shoot us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com. Put podcast guest in the subject line to maybe explain uh, why you'd like us to have this person on the show or have the person on the show again. Or, like, if there's someone we didn't have on and we didn't cover something, uh, you could, you know, put that in there as well. We've had the Haunted Cincinnati guy on twice. John Keyswater has been on twice. Uh, Ronnie Salerno, the abandoned Cincinnati guy, he's been on twice. So um, we are not averse to having people back for a second go-round. So be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the tri-state. And if you haven't already, check out those Cincy Shirts podcast archives all the way from baseball great Johnny Bench to actors Amy Yazbeck. Tons of great episodes back there. Uh, feel free to cherry-pick, folks. And today's show is produced by me with all from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Still trying to get that guy on the show. Um, anyway, you can find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. 
Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of old defunct sports teams like hockey, basketball, soccer, you name it. Old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, rock clubs. Those are very popular. A section of video games. So uh, it's like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Rusty Reds. It's all one word, all lowercase, all uppercase. Doesn't matter. It will still work to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can come into our uh, physical, or as we say, brick and mortar stores in over the Rhine and Hyde Park until your nearest sales associate, you'd like to use the promo code Rusty Red to take 20% off your order. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye